Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. I just want to go on record that Ken is older than I am. Quite a bit. He's quite a bit older than I am. Three months. He's three months older than I am. I've known the wilds forever, as he said, and uh, the family and the children. Watch them grow up. And, uh, this church, from the time you planted it, <clears throat> it's been a, a journey to watch all the changes and uh, experience that you guys have experienced here. I love Boise. Boise is a great uh, city. You have a great state. You have pretty good teams. Um, you have always struggled just a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> so it's, it's really good to be here. Um, again, it's, it's great that we do have friendships that we do our whole life with. Uh, we reminisced last night for a couple of hours, you know, just it's amazing. The journey that you go on, you never, you never plan the kind of journey that you're going to go on. Uh, but here we are um, at, a, at a great age, a great time, and uh, I, I feel this is a good Sunday to be here, Father's Day. I'm sorry you're not listening to Ken or Chris. Uh, but if you come back in a couple Sundays, you'll get them. Uh, so if you don't like what I did today, just dismiss it. And go on with life. You get the best. Uh, Chris Wilde's one of the best young teacher preachers I know in the nation, sitting right there. Uh, <clears throat> he's a special species of spirit and word and uh, smart. Some people get filled with the spirit and go dumb. Uh, he's, he, uh, he's on it. He stays on it, and I, I like that. And so it's just great to be here and with, you know, the kids and see Tracy. I haven't seen Tracy for so long, and just such a wonderful girl. When she was younger, she used to help me with our kids, and I used to try to set her up with my Andrew, but he was too young. But Tracy could have been part of my family. That's, I still hold this grief in my heart, you know. Uh, great to see them, and, and what a fruitful family, wonderful family. All right, now, I need to just kind of dig in, cut to the chase here, because I only have so much time. And, and I've noticed all over the world, the clocks just keep going. Uh, they don't stop. I was at one church, and there was a sign. I'm looking at the sign from the pulpit to the back wall. I'm looking at this sign. And I'm looking at the sign, I'm preaching, and I'm, it's bothering me because I can't figure out the sign. And so it, it actually distracted me because I'm thinking, what a horrible thing to put inside of a sanctuary. And what a horrible thing for me to have to look at while I preach. You know, so my track's running, but I'm trying not to get distracted because uh, under the clock, there's this sign that says, remember Lot's wife. <laughs> Judgment turned to salt, you know, the... And I'm thinking, what a gracious church this is, you know. <laughs> Mercy and grace should be the name of your church. And then it hit me because you have to turn around to see the clock. And so under the clock, remember Lot's wife. <laughs> no turning around to look at the clock. And when I finally figured out, I started laughing out loud. I said, I got it. I got it. You're a nice church. You're a good church. And don't you dare look at your clock. 
that, that's a great thing. All right. Time goes. All right. And so I know that. I've been preaching for a while. I'm going to hopefully just kind of get right into your life for a few minutes and just impart some stuff that I think every person will leave the room with. And hopefully you'll say, it was good to be in church, good to hear that. Wow, I really needed that. No matter who you are, if you're on a journey where you got here somehow on Father's Day, the family got you here, and you don't know Christ, it's not even in your heart to maybe even know Christ, but you're on a journey, you're here, you got here somehow, and so you might as well listen. And so you're here. Maybe you're on a journey that actually you are looking for God and looking for church, and you're not sure exactly how to put the whole thing together, and, uh, but you're there. You're here, and that is an awesome thing that you would even try it, check it out, even come. Maybe you're on a journey, but it's not going so well. Maybe it's a few stumbling blocks, a few holes in the road, and uh, some curves and delays and detours and et cetera. And you're not at the top of your game. You're not there where you would like to be at the top of your game. Maybe you are at the top of your game right now. So we have a, a span of people that are listening, like in any service every time we come to church, a span of people with different background, different experience, what everybody goes through. Hardly anybody knows what everybody goes through. And so sitting right next to you could be a couple that's on the verge of divorce or sitting right next to you is someone who just got the worst health report ever in their life and they're scared to death. Or sitting right over here is a teenager who you have no idea is being abused. Or this one back here is going through bankruptcy, but you have no idea about that. They smile, shake your hand, they'll leave. But in the room, there's all kinds of needs that are sitting here. And people will never know. I will never know. People will never know. But there is a God in heaven who knows. And he actually is interested in your need. Not like a lot of people who, even if they find out, oh, wow, oh, you got a bad report. Well, I sure hope it works out, hon. I'll see you next lifetime. And they go on with life. It's, God's not that way. He's, he's very interested in you as an individual. Every single piece of your life. Every piece. God says, I'm interested in every piece of your life. I've come to give you life, life more abundantly. And so today, I'm going to talk with you for a few minutes on a very simple title. But it's my experience, and it will be yours, and it is yours. God is on my side. Say that with me. Just a, just a little louder. And how many here have ever, ever in your lifetime, ever felt? that he wasn't, and you doubted it, and you struggled just a little bit. Can I see your hands? Oh, my, look at these backsliders right here. <laughs> all of us, all of us, pastors, missionaries, the best people in the world go through stuff. And there are times when it doesn't look like God is on your side. Or if he was, you're trying to say to him, if you are on my side, could you change the score a little bit? Or could we go at this a little different this time? I mean, if you're on my side, why? Everyone shout, why? why? The biggest question we always come back with is, why is this happening? Why did you allow this? I mean, I, I'm a Bible teacher, reader, degreed guy. I've done my academic 
world. I got my doctorate from an accredited, not one of these you buy. I know what it's like to think and think painfully. And I'll tell you right now, when I look at the news and I look at the Middle East and I look at London and I look at all these places in France, I look and I listen. I think to myself, why don't you just step in and make them get it get into a car crash before they get there with the bomb or make the bomb not go off or why would you let children get killed i mean i have some whys that you'd have to be an absolute brainless person not to have a why and it's okay to have a why as long as you're open to the right answer and the right answer is not one that you're going to have the answer is in God's will and God's hand and God's mind. And he doesn't always share his thinking with you. It's a thing called just. It's a thing called uh, believing. It's a thing called we serve a God who is not human. He's a God. He's a God who was in flesh, but he's God. He's supernatural. And he does things differently. I don't understand, except if I trace it back in my mind. You know, I'm, all, I'm totally off track with my sermon. If I keep going, you'll never even get to hear my message. So forget everything I was saying. Because if I go back in my mind, I go back, I go back, I go back, I go back. I try to land. I try to land in Jeremiah. I try to land in Malachi. I try to land. I try to land. I finally get back to the beginning, and then it's okay. By the way, the universe has fallen. Sin, evil, and dark will always be until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So, maybe I don't think about, again, I'm off on a little tangent, but it just feels so right, you know. When I do this, I say to the devil, get behind me, and he gets behind me and pushes me. And so... I try and figure this out on why they could have, the bomb didn't detonate, or maybe this one little, I mean, life hangs by such a thread, such a thread that changes everything. And then you have this thought. I wonder if there was a day where that person was in the presence of a Christian, and they could have been saved. But they didn't share Christ, and they had no idea that if they would have found Christ in that person's life, that person could have changed the entire history of a nation. Which makes me think every time I sit and talk with anyone, I'm talking to a potential world-changing person, a nation-changing person. I'm talking to someone who instead of being an abusive father could end up being a wonderful father. Instead of being a dishonest businessman, ends up being a blessed businessman. Instead of being, it all is in the sharing. Okay. No, this is not my message. So 12, 16, the clock did not start yet. Now we start. Okay. God is on my side. Say it again. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you believe that? Here we go. It's on the screen. Here's my definition. God is for me some of the time. Oh, did I misread that? I guess I did. 
God is for me. Come on, people. In the good and the bad. When I'm doing great. When I fail. In disappointment, discouragements. Extraordinary trouble. Not just trouble. Pain. I don't like pain. I'm in pain all the time. I don't like pain. And I'm a man of faith. Why doesn't God just remove my pain? Sometimes pain is not there to be removed. It's there to teach. But in our little mindset, we don't like anything that doesn't fit under our control. God is all-powerful some of the time. All the time. He's not sometime sovereign. Doesn't make sense, does it? What God do you serve? A sometime sovereign God? God is all powerful, always loving, and ready to help me. Come on, say it out loud, right? When? So, how many of you would say with me today, Frank DeMazza, I don't know you, but I'm enjoying this already. Get something out of it, okay? I can identify, I can, I can kind of feel, yes, you're real, okay? I'm real, and God's real, and okay, we're getting through some stuff here. How many of you would say, and I'm going through some stuff right now? Lift your hand. Say, I'm going through some stuff right now. How many of you would also say, and I'm sometimes I don't understand God? Hello. Hello. Sometimes I don't get it. And then someone comes along, God's little helpers, and they say, hey, the best is yet to come, buddy. And you look at them and say, if this is how God gives the best, I'll settle for good. If this is what you think, what is God doing next to you and being on your side? And how does that work? How does that change? All right, here's another definition. God is for me. And, and really, I could preach the rest of the message on this first line when I can't see it. Actually, folks, God does his best work in the dark. Actually, he does most of his work in the dark. Not the darkness of sin, the darkness of the invisibility of what he's doing that you can't understand it. It's that kind of darkness where God says, my thoughts are so far above your thoughts, you're going to have to come up a long way to understand why I'm thinking. We can't see it. My, my grandson, Cruz, who I just love to death, and he, he's in my office all the time with me, and he calls it Papa's office, Cruz's office now. And when we watch things on the video, which we do, we watch on my, on my laptop, not my laptop, my, my monitor screen in my home office. And uh, when we're watching something, we watch a lot of dinosaurs. And if the dinosaur goes out of the screen, he says, can't see it. I said, well, Cruz, it's there. I can't see it. Where is it? I said, it's right over here. And he'll reach his hand and the, there's no computer. He said, I can't see it. I said, it's coming back. Here it comes. Here it comes. There it is. He goes, okay. Okay. I can see it. Uh, every time he does that, I think of myself, I can't see it. I can't see it. Why? It's not in my frame. God says, well, I happen to work just outside your frame. 
but I can't see it. Well, it's coming, just wait, but I can't see it. Most of what you can't see is the best of what God's doing. God is for me, and I can't see it. Feel it, understand it. All right, God is for me even when everything falls apart. And I'm on the brink of giving up. Is God the author of making things fall apart? Whoa. little theological work to be done here. So God never takes. He only gives. Hallelujah, Frank. Only problem with that is it's wrong. It's a hallelujah and it's a good feel. It just ain't right. It's not biblical. What do you mean? Have you ever heard of Job? How many do Job for devotions for the summer? I'm going to do Job. What are you reading? I'm reading Job. I tell you what, that's the God I serve is the God of Job. You might not go there, but God goes there. Christianity today is so self-serving, so so theologically shallow, so mentally bound to we think church owes everybody a good feel. And if you don't feel good at my church, I'll change it. The kids don't like the crackers, we'll buy different crackers. If there's not enough parking, we will shuttle you for a half a step. We'll put more. I mean, the whole church world is all about serving the needs of people like Nordstrom or Macy's or whatever you have up here. Church and Christ is not just going to serve your need. Christ is going to change you. And sometimes he's the author of the mess. I don't know how I got it. I have people say that all the time. I don't know how I got into this. I can't believe it. Everything just fell apart. This fell apart, and I can't believe that. And I'm just thinking to myself, I know. I know how. How? You know, in the Bible, there's all the Jehovahistic names. Jehovah Reah, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah. You know, there's like 10 or 12 of those. There's another one you should add. It's called Jehovah Sneaky. Jehovah Sneaky. He just sneaks around, does things his own way, and sets people up. Sets you up by taking from before he gives to. That's another message, too. But that, you know, we're getting, I'm on my second introduction slide. I'm telling you right now. This is page one, slide two. There's five pages with a lot more slides. You'll never get them, which means you'll never grow up in Jesus. <laughs> you will be lacking the rest of your life. I'm on the brink of giving up. I hope not. I hope I can convince you not, even if things are falling apart. God's for me. God is for me in the hardest places. Scripture, Psalm 56, 9, sorry to come up. Uh, this I know. This is the, the scripture that really was a stake in the ground for me at a dark hour. Psalm 56 and verse 9. 
This I know, that God is on my side. When my enemies rise up against me and all this and everything is falling apart, there's, there's one thing you better know. That God's on your side. Not what you see, not what you think, not how you feel, not how you reason, not how you put your math together and say it doesn't add up. No, it doesn't add up. Adding is what humans do. Sovereignty is what God does. It doesn't add up. You can't make the will of God to add up to the way you think. So God says, I'm, I'm doing it differently, Frank. And so, but you better know, I'm on your side. How about Psalms 118, verse 6? God's now at my side. God's now, God's now, God's now at my side. I'm not afraid. Who would dare to lay a hand on me? Psalm 16, verse 8. Psalm 16, 8. Day and night, I'll stick with God. I've got a good thing going, and I'm not letting go. Romans 8, 31. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? That would be a good scripture to put to memory because you can't lose. No matter what you think loss is, it's not loss. No matter what you think you have been limited by, it's not limitation. No matter how you add up all the crises and the stuff. I mean, have you ever read people like William Carey and his life story of what he went through when he became a missionary in India, how he went through uh, the crisis of one wife dies, second wife dies, third wife dies, first child dies, second child dies, third child dies, fourth child dies. I mean, at what point do you say, God, are you for me? I'm in India. I'm doing everything I can. I'm giving my life to this. I'm, I'm suffering all the time. And you let my wife die. Three once. You let my kid die more than once. Then after 20 years of translating 22 dialects so that he could preach the gospel because it's all about the dialects. He had everything stored in his uh, printing barn on the property and a fire was started and burned up every scrap of 20 years of work. No computers, no backups, no copy machine. It was all stacked and written, he had spent his life, he had spent hundreds of thousands of hours. And when he watched the flames and he was sitting there and the staff was sitting there, one of the staff women said to him, what do you see in the fire? What do you see in the fire? He says, I see the hand of God saying, Something great is about to happen. She's weeping. She rebukes him. Your wife has died. Your children have died. Now everything you have worked for is gone. Gone. You can never repay what you just did. You can never redo it. What do you see in the fire? You know what happened? Somebody either on his staff or another missionary or however it got back to London, somebody did an article on the fire. Somebody did an article on him. Out of that, there was a surge of young men and women by the hundreds that moved to help him. And what took him 22 years that went up in flames, he accomplished it again in 16 months.
and, and all the missionaries and young couples and young singles that moved to help him stayed and started mission agencies all over India. What do you see in the flame? What do you see in what is a major loss? That's a loss. Wow, that is a major loss. God says, oh, no, no, it's not a loss. I'm saving you hundreds of years. I'm going to multiply this thing. He couldn't see it. And I could tell you many more stories of people that had to read something in the loss. In the loss. Most missionaries had great losses. Most orphanage beginners had great losses. Most people that did even politics to help get child laws passed, there was a reason they were passionate about those laws. They had lost everything. Amen, Frank. So good. Okay. One. Are you all right? How, how many are getting something out of this? How, how many are looking at the fire right now and saying, I'm going to read this fire different? You know what? You're changing my thinking. You know what? I might just read the book of Job. It's not just about physical suffering. It's about the double portion. Judges, chapter 6. I'm going to quote now because I don't have time to delve in the way I would. Obviously, I've been taking little trails. Like my students used to say to me, we like your tributaries better than the river. That used to really bother me when they would say that. The tributaries cost me nothing. It's the river that's costing me. But there is no tributary without a river. All right, so Judges 6, you have Gideon, and you have God coming to a man. This is my point. You can read it. I hope you read Judges chapter 6, 7, 8. I hope you just kind of dip into this and think about my perspective this morning. But when you read the book of Judges, you have Gideon. He's one of the judges. There's 12 different ones that come through the book of Judges. They're judges. They're trying to turn the nation around. All of them had personal issues also to turn around. Gideon's one of the guys that's in a very bad situation, very bad, dark time. It's not a revival for Gideon. It's a dark time for him, his family, his finance. Everything about his life is not going right. Everything about Gideon's life was going wrong. I mean everything. There wasn't one thing on target. It was off as far as Gideon was concerned. When you read Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, there's four things that I see. Here they are. Number one, which is verses 2 through 4, it was a time of amazing lack. The enemy had stolen everything. They had, they had nothing. The, the enemy had wiped them out. 
They were deficient of all resources. They had no way to do anything. They were in a time of amazing lack and no way to get out of the lack as, as what they could see. Number two, it was a time of severe attack where the enemy had come down and not just overwhelmed them, but crushed them and crushed them and crushed them over and over again, relentless crushing. Why Gideon has given up. And number three, it uses a word in Judges 6 and verse 6 where it says they were greatly impoverished, but the word impoverished from that particular Hebrew family of words right there, just the word impoverished, it means no options, no alternative, ran out of options. If you would put a modern vernacular to that Hebrew word, it would read, end of my rope. End of my rope. I have no options. I, I don't know what to do. I can't see what to do. I, I don't know how to get out of this. I'm so deep into it. it. It's just wrong. My family tree's wrong. My decisions are wrong. My finances are wrong. My marriage is wrong. Everything is wrong. I have no op I don't know what to do with this. And life has those times. And I could tell you a few of mine, but I won't. Where you, 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 you're in a tunnel. You can't see the options. And your spirit begins to shrink and drain and before you know it, you start thinking so wrong and you start making God so small and your circumstance so big and hopelessness sets in. And that's Gideon. He's at the end of his rope. The third thing, end of rope. Fourth, it's Judges 6 and verse 11. It was a time of little faith, little vision. He's not a visionary. Verse 11, he's hiding in the dark midnight behind his house, behind a rock, threshing out just enough wheat, just enough so the enemy, no one sees it, nobody can come steal it from him, so he can feed his family one meal. This is his life, one meal, one rock, in the dark, no future, hopeless, no way to make a living, no way to ever get ahead. The Midianites come down every season and take everything. We are under the powers of the enemy all the time. We can't get out. We have no army. We have no resource. We have no way. And basically what Gideon was saying, I have no future. My kids have no future. There is nothing going to work for us. He's impoverished spirit, soul, and mind. Little faith, little vision. What was he saying? Simple. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this life. I sure thought I'd be ahead further than I am now, or I'd be happier. Or, or, nothing's working for me. Jeez. I thought I'd be finished with this habit by now. I thought I'd be over this trial by now. I thought I would have a happier marriage. I thought I'd be a better parent. I thought I'd have more finance by now. I thought I would be fulfilled. I thought. I thought so much differently than what I'm actually sitting in, threshing my little bit of life behind the rock in the dark, full of hopelessness. This is Gideon. In verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Makes no sense, makes no sense whatsoever. God's perspective doesn't make sense. And God's perspective on you is hardly your perspective on yourself. Usually God's perspective on you is right. I just want to go down by saying God thinks pretty good. 
And he knows beginning and end. He knows you. And for him to say, oh, no, no, you're not, you're not that guy you think you are. Well, I most certainly am, God. Thank you very much. I mean, look at me behind a rock in the dark. I'm, I'm filled with all kinds of resentment and, and maybe even bitterness, and I have no hope for nothing. What are you talking about? No, no, no. No, the angel, the angel had the word. Listen to the angel. You mighty man of valor, you lying angel. That's Gideon's response. You lying angel. No, you, you're, you're, going to, you're going to do some amazing things. Oh, right, sure I am. We're talking to a young adult. Life is messed up. And I'm trying to lay track with them. And I said, you know, one day you'll look back on this conversation and you'll say, that man was right. That man was right. I was thinking wrong. And this person said back to me, you don't understand, Frank. I am damaged goods. My life is a damaged life. I'll never meet a good man because I'm a bad woman. I'll never get ahead in life because I've made so many mistakes and I've hurt so many people. I'm damaged goods. There's nothing good going to come out of my goods because I'm damaged goods. I've made too many mistakes. At that point, the gospel comes in so right. With the gospel, there's something about God forgives. God knows what to do with the past. God is able to take broken things and make them do mighty things. God is able to make bananas grow on telephone poles. God is at his best work working with something that's broken. The world throws away the broken and anything that's broken like a styrofoam cup, get rid of it. But God says, I am a pro with the broken. Give me a piece of brokenness and I will make you something you can't even imagine that will come out of this. So honestly, honestly, you're closer to a miracle. Not that I want you to become this person. Like, like it says in Romans 6, God forbid, lest I think that I'm telling you to sin more so you can have more grace. I'm not telling you to do that. But the fact is, if you're broken, broken in more than one place, and you have some broken pieces, and you have some misunderstandings, and you have some end-of-the-rope habits, and you have, 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 have all the stuff I'm preaching, you're closer to a miracle than the whole person. Think of that. And it says in Psalms, God hears the cry of the broken and loves to spend time with them. It also says, out of brokenness comes strength. So if you're broken, you're right next to being really strong, having a miracle, and more great than anybody else. How many of you would say, well, then I'm going to praise God for my brokenness. Hallelujah. Right now, thank you, Lord. I got a few broken pieces. Anybody here have a few broken pieces? Hello. Hello. God wanted perfect people. He wouldn't come to Boise. <laughs> or Portland or anywhere else. But you get my point. You mighty man of valor. God will appear. What wasn't open will become open. What was closed now automatically opens. What was dark comes illuminate. What appeared 
appeared. The Lord appeared, opened with you. C.S. Lewis, if you've never read him, naughty on you. Get his books and read. He's the best thinker ever. God whispers to us in our pleasures. I don't mind that. I get a few whispers. I'm enjoying life. God whispers, hey, I love you. You're doing good. He speaks to us in our comfort. I'm open to that. But shouts to us in our pain. When does the voice of God come the clearest? When you're the weakest, when you're hurting the most, and when you can't see there's anything in front of you. Then God speaks forcefully. And he shouts, I love you. I'm for you. Well, no one else is for me. I'm for you. No one else can help you. You don't need anybody else. I am the God who created heaven and earth. I can handle your problem. I throw stars into place. I create moons and suns and universes. And I do so many things that are so powerful. You understand it? Yes, I understand. Do you not think I can handle your problem? No, you can't handle my problem. It's too big. It's too big for anybody. It's too big for you. Okay, I want to start over again. I am God. <laughs> Let's go through this one more time. I am God. You're my child. I have power. I can help. Shouts. All right, I'm going to end with the last four slides because it's 1242 and it's Father's Day and I want you to take someone out to eat. If you don't have anybody to take you out to eat, turn to your neighbor right now and ask for money. I go home to a father's meal, but in that father's meal that I go home to, there's a few broken people in that meal. People that have no fathers. People that have no life. Why? I like to be around brokenness to remind myself of grace and remind myself that God can just take anybody Surprise, surprise, takes that person that he's not just a zero. He's a rim with the rim knocked off. He's a zero with no, he's a ha, nothing. You look and say, what can God do with that piece of nothing? God says, I, I'm a pro with nothing. Give me nothing and I create. Okay, are you ready? Four things I'm going to say to you before you leave. I'm just going to say I'm not going to preach them. You're just going to have them. You believe that? No, you don't. You know, you're looking at me kind of like the cow looking at the fence, you know. Are you, what are you going to do? I'm going to just read four points to you. And then you're going to go to dinner and brunch. And you're going to give money away to people. And Number one, God will meet you face to face. I have seen the angel of the Lord. It says, it says in verse 22, it says face to face. I've seen God like face to face. I would like to preach that point, but I'm a disciplined speaker. <laughs> Two, God will never fail you. What looks like failure, it's success spelled backwards. 
God doesn't work with success books, the way the formulas always turn out. God's formula for success and never leave you is so different than anybody else would ever write for you. You get it thrown into a pit. Everybody on the top is looking at you saying, let's sell this person. Let's get rid of them. And God says, I got him right where I want him. In the pit, yes, I love pits. I use pits. I use situations that you could never write for yourself. Three, don't panic. You will finish all God has given you to do. There's a little word in the Bible that is a fantastic word study. It's called through. Through. Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers that will not overflow you. And through the fire, and you will not be burned, and the flame will not scorch you. I like that verse. Isaiah 43, 2. Take it down. Memorize it. Through. Through. Number four, don't lose your grip. Don't lose your grip. Grip is that thing that you hold tight to. Don't lose your grip on this perspective. You're loved. You're valuable. God's in control. He's sovereign. You don't have to understand everything. Struggle is struggle. Admit it and go on. If you sin with your mouth, the great thing about that is you can ask forgiveness and go on. If you, if you say something weird to God, the next day say something good. God is not inferior. He doesn't have a dysfunctionality. God doesn't go hide behind the angels. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear what they said about me? They said they don't trust me anymore. I'm brokenhearted. Can you imagine God responding to our feebleness? God knows how he created you, and he knows that you'll come good. And if you don't, well, he'll just kill you. <laughs> just get it over quick. Well, they're not going to, done. <laughs> you know better. I'm, not, I'm teasing. Although there are some people, if I was God, I would, <laughs> I would save them the pain of process. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I used to tell my church, you should be praising God. I'm not. Because if I were, some of you would be. The you would be the sacrifice on the altar. <laughs> you know, Bill Gothard, way back in the day, you know, whatever you think of him now, but way back in the day when he was doing his seminars, Ken and all of us used to go to those. All the staff had to go in Portland. But his, his one, he changed my life. Actually, Bill Gothard, material on the basic youth, not the other stuff when he got into using wheat flour and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but his basic youth stuff on moral purity, authority, self-acceptance, the biblical six things he taught were life-changing things. And he would always talk about God loved you too much to leave you the way you are. So he's going to fix a fix that you can't unfix because if you unfix it, he'll fix another fix to fix you with. Because he's a God of process and he has you at his heart so no matter what I'm going through, even if I've caused it, 
which most of us do, hello, we're little smiling sinners. And we do wrong things. And God says, I can handle your wrong. I can handle it. We'll get through it. I hate people that, you know, when they do the offering, they, they go, just, what does that sound? In every country, they have a phantom of the opera. <laughs> Starts playing. Then if that's not enough, then another musician comes. Pretty soon a side mic singer comes. And then pretty soon the lights start going down or up. Then pretty soon the music gets louder. And finally, I have to quit. I understand the process. They did it at my church because they didn't trust me. And they were right. I would confess, yes, you're right, and I'm going to continue on. God is for you. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you decipher yourself. I don't care if you think you're the crummiest human being on the planet. I'm telling you right now, God is on your side. And he's not going to give up on you. He will never give up on you. I give up. God doesn't give up. I give up on myself. God says, it's okay. You'll come back around. But while you're coming around, I'm still going to keep a hold. That's God. All right, church, help me now. Bow your head. Let's, let's, let's just make sure we don't lose this right here. This is two questions. Number one, if you don't know Christ, somehow you got in the room today. Someone brought you, someone, you're a visitor, or you've been coming, but you know you've never had an encounter with Jesus where he has come into your life and something changed. Or if you're in the room and somehow you did accept Christ, but you got beat up and you're off track and you know you want to get back on track, but you've messed up a lot of stuff and you're, you're not sure quite what to do. And even if you want to do it, but I'm saying you do want to do it, God loves you and wants to change you and wants to help you. He's the best person to have over your life. Frank, God, I want that. Okay, if you're here today, you don't know Jesus, so you're coming back to Jesus. Would you just lift your hand straight up just for a second? Please just lift your hand straight up. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Boy, men, men, men. Four, five, six men right there. So, uh, lift your hand because I can't see everybody. I've only done my right side of the church. I haven't done the left. I'm looking at the back. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Lift your hand up again. Just lift your hand straight up. Say, I need Jesus. Thank you, sir. I need to get back to Jesus. Anyone else? Thank you, young man. Thank you, young lady. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Why? Because it's real. God, God loves you. He's, he's wanting to do something in your life. Now, church, why don't you do this? Why don't you just stand to your feet? Everybody, just, just stand to your feet. Now, Take it one step with me. Just one step further. Do it with me. Trust me for a moment. This will only take a minute. But trust me. Every time Jesus set people up for a miracle, he said to them, you want to get your eyes healed? Yeah, we'll go wash. You want to get out of the boat? Jump out. You want this? Uh, take the bread. You want to break? You want a miracle? Break that. He was always putting actions to the invisible world 
of the person. There's something about acting on what you in your heart is believing that God says, I see that. You're walking out of that. Now, if you lifted your hand, even if you didn't lift your hand, would you try this with me? Would you just try it? If you lifted your hand, and you're saying, I want what you said, and I'm believing in my heart, this is my day. You'll never forget this Father's Day the rest of your life. The rest of your life, this will be the day you'll say, hey, you know, on Father's Day, I want those who lifted their hands to come to the front and just meet me right around the front here, either side. Just, just walk up right now. I know there's carpet and there's people, but just try it for me. Uh, I think you can do it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just come. Just stand right there. <clears throat> Keep coming. There's more. There's more hands that went up. And I, I, I want you, I want you to know I'm going to park and pay the meter just for a little bit. Because this is a sacred moment. It's an important moment. And people are processing eternal things. It's an important moment. You're processing. Make a decision. Say, you know what? I need a better life. I want a better life. I want a God life. I want a turnaround. I want a supernatural turnaround. I want something to happen in my life. I want you to come forward. Anybody else, lift your hand. Just come forward right now. Church, help me out just a little bit. Just help me out. Don't come to the altar yet. Just help me out. I want you to simply talk to people right around you. Don't be weird. Don't push. But I want you to simply say to people around you, especially if you saw someone lift their hand or you brought someone, or you're thinking Jesus is really dealing with them. I want you to simply say to them, if you want to go up front, I'll go up with you. And I want you to bring them up with you right now. So just go ahead, church. I give you permission to ask people. And if you find someone that needs to come up, just bring them up. Sometimes that's all people need is for someone to say, hey, I'll, I'll walk up with you. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you over here. You know, sometimes people just can't walk down here, but they're they're nervous. I mean, this is church. Look at this. One, two, three, four. Someone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for bringing her up. Anybody else? Come on. You're not being weird. You're helping this person because it's a big building. They're not used to this. But we want. Thank you. Thank you. We want to pray with them. We want to make this real. Anybody else? I'm going to give you 20 seconds. This is the 20-second countdown. If you don't come, something bad will happen. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It could be another time for you, another day, another but it, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Another one. Why I take time for this? Because it takes time for people to put it together. 
sometimes altar calls so fast, they're actually walking out still thinking, I should have gone out. I should have responded. It's only been two minutes. I know it feels longer. Well, it might have been longer than two, but not much. But wow, this is a lot of people. Your last chance. Please, anybody else at all? Anyone else at all? Now, while I'm doing this, I would like prayer people to come stand behind. If you if you came with a person, you just stay with them. But those who have come to the altar, I want men with men and women with women standing behind. I want everybody to have someone. Everybody to have someone. I, I have a man right here, young man. I need a young man right there. Tie-dye t-shirt man right there. You need to be prayed for. I need two young men right here. You take care of this. Anybody else? Now, if you're at the altar and nobody has their hand on your shoulder, I want you to lift your hand and tell me no one's praying with me. I don't want to miss anybody here. Anybody else? Anybody else? You know what? I am so, so uh, moved by all the men that are at the altar today and being moved on big time. And there's, there's men weeping up here right now. Why? Because their life, their life, their life is going to change. And a lot of the load they're carrying is going to go. They're going to find a whole new breath in their sails. What a wonderful thing. We're going we're gonna to believe God to, uh, to do something supernatural. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.